Hello and welcome to the Oslo Raw podcast with me, Tiri Refsum, the founder and owner of Scandinavia's leading plant-based cafe chain and wellness concept, Oslo Raw, which is all about pleasure and finding happiness in the smallest of things, and of course, eat a lot of raw chocolate cake. This show is all about how to grow personally, professionally, in ways to create a healthy and rich life from within. I invite in inspiring people who share their challenges, life stories and ideas with us. We talk about business, career, wellness and how to optimize yourself and serve the world. Today I have the pleasure of chatting with wildly creative The Vagina Whisperer Tammy Lynn Kent. She is a women's health physical therapist, the author of Wild Feminine, Wild Creative and Mothering from your center and the founder of Holistic Pelvic Care and Training Program. Having worked with over 10,000 of women on the pelvic front lines, Tammy has committed her life to holistic healing and a wild feminine rising. She focuses on the potential in our bodies and is passionate about cultivating the creative energy that is meant to run through all aspects of our lives. Today, Tammy and I talk about the possibilities of creating wealth in every aspect of our lives when being at home with ourselves. What happens when we go within? How do we do it? And why is seeking approval from outside so imprinted in us? Yeah, so it seems like you have found that rest in your body. It seems like you you know what everybody wants to know and feel, especially for I'm 29, but especially younger, even younger than me, have no idea what that means to actually like to be inside our bodies, to feel if we even have a pelvic space room, what is that? We don't even know it's there. So how did you find that ground in yourself? Yeah, well, I think it was through my work, really. I mean, two things, birthing a baby, definitely, you know, I had my first son when I was 29. So I, um, that was certainly a call back to my body in a much deeper way. And I had been in academics. So I had been studying a lot, you know, very mental and had kind of lived my life scholastically, intellectually. And so I didn't even know I was disconnected. It was just sort of, you know, I went along. But then when I had a baby, it was just so much, um, so much more primal and feeling the experience. But then I still mostly just noticed the disconnect. And so I was working with women, you know, so I, I studied physical therapy and then became a women's health physical therapist, which is a specialty of physical therapy. We're working on the pelvis and you're working on musculoskeletal patterns. And really the way that practice is set up is you're working on symptoms and fixing things. So it's still kind of medical model, like um, working with a bladder prolapse, for example. So it's kind of technical and a little bit devoid of the poetry and connection and it still is like the knowledge is outside the woman so I was working with that that's it's still it's really valuable all of us should be getting pelvic tune-ups um and ideally more preventatively so I was working with women later in life usually postmenopausal when they're having more symptoms and when I was working with them I noticed that a they were pretty disconnected from their bodies and b they were also it what was going on had been for a long time and I thought why aren't we doing this sooner then I had my own baby and thought we should be doing this immediately after birth. And then as I've worked with younger women, I thought we should just be doing this as routine pelvic care. So in the process of taking better care of the female body, I started to notice how disconnected I was from my own. And I started to just ask a lot of questions like, 
if this is such a powerful place, because I could feel the power when I work with women, why are we so disconnected? And it began, began a journey of understanding personally and also as a healer to help others where the disconnection came and then how to repair it. How do we repair and come to connection? And it's just, you know, it's rebuilding the, there's a body aspect of connection. There's a spirit aspect. There's an emotional aspect. There's so many, there's an energetic aspect. So it's sort of like leaving a tapestry. You know, if you have a beautiful tapestry that gets torn, which is kind of what I would say the connection between a woman and her body is, how do you relieve it? You have to take time and weave different aspects of it. So sometimes it was healing trauma. Sometimes it was lineage aspects where women have been uh, through their lineages. You know, a lot of it has to do with even trauma back in the lineage. And then just, it becomes a habit. So when, when a mother or a woman is disconnected, she doesn't know anything else. So she passes that on. And so I was stopping that process and going back and reconnecting for myself personally. And it was many, 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 many things to repair that, you know, at first it was just noticing, oh, I am disconnected like every, pretty much every other woman, except maybe ones that are living very close to nature and feeling the cycles in their bodies. Um, But so I was noticing, and then really what came out of it was I wrote three books, you know, I wrote Wild Feminine, which is all about the body energy of the pelvic bowl. I wrote Mothering from Your Center, which is also known as wild mothering, um, but it is uh, about really the experience of the energetic experience of birth, healing from postpartum, and the lineage repair along the mother line. And then I wrote Wild Creative, which is all about the whole field of the body, so it could be males, females, but how we imprint, we imprint patterns, and we have some choice around shifting those patterns if we know what they are. So you know, that was like 20 years of process of writing and working and exploring. And then it was also helping me repair my connection. And I would say, you know, it's not a perfect thing. Like I don't feel hundred percent connected all the time. It is a practice. It's like a yoga practice or anything. I, the culture and the world is built on a framework of disconnect. So it really is work to reconnect. And what's interesting is the pandemic, I think, has sort of forced everybody to re-examine patterns. And in a way it's kind of forcing people to look at their connection to their home and their bodies in different ways. So um, it's just, you know, we all have work to do and it is a big project and it's not something that you discover and then you feel perfect. It's like, you have to work at it because every structure is built on that disconnect of women from their bodies. So how do we repair it? We have to do it in ourselves and then we have to start changing the external structures. Sometimes I feel like, is it worth it? You know, like, is there anything there? It can feel so like unmotivating sometimes because it's so shut off that like, it's nothing there. It's nothing there. So is it worth fighting for? And if we get there, what's in there? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I would say that's similar to how I felt at first where even though I was writing, you know, so part of it is wild feminine. I started writing from a point of trauma because we had 9-11 happen in the States where we had the attack on the New York buildings and that trauma wave sent a wave across the country. And I lived way across the country from that event. And that was in 2001. So you probably weren't even probably a little one if you were even born, but um, it was like that imprint of trauma in women's bodies. I had like eight women the next day and they all had a trauma imprint, meaning uh, lots of trigger points, um, kind of a disconnected feeling, sort of spacey. Um, also energetically, it sounds like static. And I went to work with them and none of them had family directly involved. So I was seeing a real-time pattern of trauma, of disconnect. So we all have these, even in our lineages that kind of keep us disconnected. So even the process of connecting, sometimes we have to go through the pain 
like first there's the numbness and the, like what's there. And sometimes when we connect in there's pain and, but you know, it shouldn't just be pain. That's why when I had that happen, that is the night I committed to writing a book and I didn't know what it would be. And it ended up being wild feminine. And that is a pathway through. So, you know, for me, I had to kind of figure it out on my own because I didn't find any books that really would help map it. But I also was seeing over time, thousands of women. And so I felt a responsibility because what I was seeing was not what most women would see. So I wrote, you know, stories and other things that are, um, help you understand how to find your way back and how to repair. So there's a lot of examples and they're not, no, I wanted to keep privacy of women. So they're not real women, but they're conglomerations of real things. So it helps you understand, oh, this is how I start to connect. So there's a real um, strategy in Wild Feminine for doing it. And so it, it would be normal for you to feel like, I'm not sure as much is there. That's kind of how I felt, but hopefully like the tools that I've laid down can help women find their way. And what I can tell you when the answer to the question of like, what is there? It is a portal, you know, our womb and our pelvic wall is a portal, not just for downloading babies, but literally for downloading the medicine of our lives. So I think of it as the beauty and the creativity for sure. Like everything we want to create, everything we want to make, you know, and there's techniques that I talk about in both, in all three books really for using that space and cultivating it because it's a powerful portal um, that we should be navigating with. And we also need it for medicine for our lives. So it doesn't mean your life, you know, is perfect. It means it's for the difficulty because being a woman, being a mother, being a creator can be heartbreaking too. And so we need medicine and that is the place you source the medicine. So I go there all the time to get solace and comfort and medicine and guidance. So there's no. like yeah. place inside that we can seek comfort in because mm-hmm. yeah, we look outside all the time. See me, see like social media and we want approval and get instant gratification because we don't know that there's a space inside. I yeah. have longed for that. I had this idea my whole life. There must be some place inside where I can find that yeah. approval, you know, that I'm good enough. I am safe. No, ba- no matter what happens around me, you know, and especially I want to talk about, you know, you touch into the portal word. I think about creativity and when you say that and also how to build wealth and feminine freedom, you know, this portal is because I have 40 employees. I have a baby. I'm 29. I'm juggling so much responsibility as you do. You know, we, we do have so many things to take care of. Right, right. How can we? still develop our creativity, build wealth and all of these things. Yeah. I mean, so, okay. There's a couple of, that's why I wrote three books. <laughs> there was a lot to say. So the first book, Wild Feminine is really about reconnecting with your body and that portal. So that's a process in and of itself. Like you're doing lineage work, you're doing personal work. You might be moving through trauma. You're also just learning. How do you even use that space? How do you use the ovaries? How do you use the womb? Because when I looked for books, all I found was like the closest I felt that found energetically would talk about root chakra. It was very general. So when I'm talking to wild feminine, I talk about the left ovary and the right ovary and them working together and the energies that they embody and the uterus. And, and just to say one thing, this goes even for men, you know? Yeah. yeah. It is just because we do have male followers as well. And just that I'm talking about that womb space that is more like an, a field 
Well, so let me explain this though. Wild feminine is really about the female body. So, but I've had males read it who want to understand at that level, but it is help many, many, many men. Absolutely. I think it's very important for them to understand women more. And, you know, there's a lot, the the dedicated men have read that book too, but it really is kind of a how-to understanding of repairing your connection with your body. What you're talking about next is um, the wild creative, which I wrote, which also could be called wild masculine. And it's the partner to wild feminine. So they really are two halves of a whole. So the wild creative is written from the perspective of the field because we all enter the portal, right? So we all, every one of us comes in through that portal and we have some of the same imprinting. So what I learned to read was the patterns of energy around the bowl, where they're disconnected, how to reconnect. So I try to teach that in wild feminine for someone to do for themselves. That's like a self-manual. Wild creative is really about all of us for understanding our whole field. So not just our pelvic bowl, but our whole field and how we entered. Now we have this hemisphere and that hemisphere and the center point. And there are techniques in there for understanding your creativity as your life force and not just as being a perfect painter or a perfect artist, you know, that gets reserved for like a high level and it should be taught as a life skill. Your creative energy is your life force and you should have say over how you use that. And there are techniques for it, definitely. And so I wrote some of those specifically. And even though I wrote that book last, that really was the book that helped me create everything else. So there are some practices in there for how to, use your feminine energy, which we all have male and female feminine to me, it's the download. That's where we download things. We all have that capacity and artists do do this, but there's a download. Then the masculine portion is not male or female. It's actually our output. It's how we, it's how we make our careers, how we make our families, how we structure our daily lives. So for me, you know, I, there's still a lot to juggle, but I use those tools to kind of follow almost like surfing. It's like I'm surfing a wave. And for me, um, there's some practices in there that are based on astrology and other things where you can really harness your creative energy and start to work on building the life that you want. And a lot of it is working on cyclical rhythms too. So for me, for example, I tend to do most of my work output in spring and fall. So that's when I typically teach because I really love to move my energy outward and I pull it back in a little bit more for myself in the summer. So you saw this when we were trying to schedule, like I'm, you know, it's harder to get me pinned down to do anything because I really am doing a lot of family time, a lot of nature time. And then same within the winter, I kind of pull back in and it's not perfect. Like, you know, there are days when I don't quite get enough of other, because the other part, right. It's, we are supposed to be in tribes. We are supposed to be collectively helping each other. And we're in such fractured tribes, even when you try to make a tribe of friends or things, we're just, we're supposed to have multi-age and, you know, not supposed to be all the same age with the same age children. And so there's a lot of uh, things we have to give ourselves compassion that I understand because we are not living in tribes, it really is too much on every family's shoulders. So, you know, you do the best you can, and there are some skills in wild creative will help both males and females actually wrote that for my sons too. And then of some techniques, and then you have to give yourself a lot of love in the process because you're repairing fractured patterns. You're working in a system that isn't necessarily supporting you. And for the most part, we aren't living in tribes. So there's just too much to do when you're trying to tend children and work and et cetera. So. Wow. Yeah. I feel like there is so much support and ideas and everything when we come inside that yeah, we should all kind of explore that stillness 
Well, and it's why, you know, there's meditation is a practice, right? And I think of this as kind of like meditation. That's why a lot of my teachings in the books are based on energy sensing meditations, because if you can start to sense your own energy, you can work with it to have it help you create your life. I mean, we are creative beings, we're inherently creative. So you might have to do some repair, but then also this is where, you know, like I, there are practices that I do, like there's a practice in wild creative where I pick five to seven seeds every year. And it's based on this book called Book of Houses by Robert Cole. And I described this in Wild Creative, but it's a way of making your life a harvest. So I take the bird's eye view and I look at what am I really working at this year? And I've done that for about 20 years now. And so, and then I re, um, and, and you follow it through your astrological chart. So your first house, your second house, all the way through, and then you pick seeds again. So like I just picked seeds a few months ago. And then I'm following it through the year and some will tend to be more, you know, it's like a garden, you plant seeds and some grow more, some don't grow as much, but then you get to re-select it the next year and kind of look at like, well, what fed me, what was helpful, what do I need? And it's, you know, there's ways to kind of cultivate your own life energy. And then when you line that up with your actual field, um, it, it is hard. I mean, I hear what you're saying about social media and things. It's pulling us outside of ourselves. I have a really hard time with social media, even though I want people to know this work so that they can take charge of their lives and their energy. But when I get on there, it's just, oh, it's like my spirit does not like it. And so, you know, I do a little bit, but I think it's good to just be loving and know where we, uh, what's easy for us, but also realize that, yes, we kind of need that centering point if not every day, at least several times a week where you get quiet, almost like meditation, but um, I take it out of the mind and kind of more into the body. And imagine how much more we can give, you know, when mm. we actually give it to ourselves yes. and feel like I'm enough, I'm good. As I said, it is, yeah. I think that's the disease of our time. It's like, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. And we struggle really hard to prove ourselves in the world. And especially for us women to do that seven days a week, every month, every, all the time, as the men can do, we get burned out and really depressed, you know, and we lose that connection with our pelvic floor. Well, and what you're speaking to is the masculine pattern. So the masculine pattern is go, 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 linear, outside. And so the feminine is the download and the receiving and they must be balanced. And so what I found after I started applying this to myself is I was completely oriented to the outer, which is kind of how our, most of the Western world teaches us to go for a career, go out, be visible. And when I started to understand energy, I started to realize how depleted everyone is. And you can get away with it when you're 29, but you cannot get away with it by like 39, 45. So it's better to learn sooner and start to um, really work cyclically. And what you're talking about, about not feeling enough is being disconnected from source. Source is the field where we all belong, where we're all connected, where we're all loved, all alive. And it's like a river. And so when you're disconnected from that, you never feel like you're enough ever. It, it's like, you will never, you know, no amount of doing will ever feel that. So you have to reorient to the receiving. And it is, I think, confusing. It's, it's almost like you have to retool your structure. You know, at least that's what it felt like for me. The whole structure that I learned through going to school and then college and planning my early career it was completely output. I learned nothing about input. So it was foreign. And even, you know, I had to work a lot on feeling alone. I still have to work on that periodically whenever I'm retooling, because there is a level of 
feeling like you're, you're on your own, but it's really, if you can source, you know, so for me, a lot of times that is from nature or spirit or whatever you want to call it, but it's like this, this energy field where I'm receiving in, and then I feel complete. So I don't have to do something to feel complete. That's the worthiness that we all seek. And we, we want love and we do everything to get some love in a few minutes, you know, <laughs> and then it's a gone. And then it's like, okay, we have to work even harder. I see my friends, we are working so hard. We're- right. I think there's a system that relies on that too. I think there's a system, you know, that relies on women's desire to be loved. And it kind of almost sets you up for that, right? <laughs> like, let's keep them working by making them never quite feel stable. And, you know, I see that in little girls and I see that in women and it is the patriarchal pattern that keeps people um, giving and giving and overgiving and then depleted and, you know, and then it goes to source new, new people. So better if we could all reorient and be in a more true, uh, true for our bodies and our spirits where we are receiving and giving, and that should be more equal, which if you kind of imagine that being equal, it kind of blows your mind. Like imagine you were receiving as much as you were giving. Then my mind says, you're selfish, you're ego, you know, you're so like, I feel shameful when I take time for me as like, you shouldn't do that, you know, as I'm doing something wrong. I know, I think that every person has, when they feel that, but especially females, I think, tune into that. Um, You have to ask yourself, where did the pattern come from? you know, because it is so set up so early. And it is, again, a patriarchal pattern, I think of making, you know, it's sort of harnessing women's power, but also never allowing them to use their own power. So we think it's us, like you think it's you feeling like you're being selfish. But I think it's a pattern that get lays is laid on you and maybe even a lineage pattern that is actually very intentional to keep you out of your power. Wow. That's, that's good to remember with compassion and, and make, like give that a hug, you know, not like thief. Oh my God, I almost swear in Norwegian there, but you know, we, it's, it's tempting to get pissed, you know, on that because right. Right. how could you, you know, that's anger, you know, to take my power away and burn me on the, you know, whatever happened, right. but to maybe it's a time for the balance, you know? And maybe our strength is to feel compassionate and extremely powerful in that and accept that that's what has been and we can let that go now, but we can build on the good stuff, you know, because there have been good stuff. Yeah, and I think be very compassionate to oneself. I think the biggest thing here is there aren't, there are certainly external oppressors, right? There's people that will take power. So much of this though is actually patterns in our own bodies and fields. So we're sabotaging ourselves because we feel guilty or because we, so it's like, it's, it's really, it's challenging because there isn't really an other, the other is internalized (laughs) and it's generational and long-term, you know, but it's like, if you can really look at like, let's say you go to source for yourself and then you feel bad and you feel guilty. That's a patriarchal pattern. That's way sneaky. So, you know, really uncovering it and going, oh, wow, gosh, I've internalized that oppression of my own self. I've internalized the, the lack of permission to be in my own power or to receive. What, what's happening when we decide and really em- 
feel that it is okay to be us we rest um we own that really deeply it's not like sneaky right. anymore it's like 100 percent right. respect what happens around us then yeah i mean i think that's true differently for each person um certainly for me i came much more into my work power um and i came much more into my own inner peace um and and my own experience of channeling my life more in the ways that I wanted to, or if it wasn't going the way I wanted to, taking responsibility and feeling like maybe I need to do a little more work in some areas, but it's under my ability to do that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it can be many things. And, you know, for some people, it might be finding a partner that, you know, like different things start to show up in your life. When you reorganize, it's like things just show up differently. Maybe that's really a, a, an element of the feminism. It's very internal, but you change kind of the world, but you don't really say so much. You just do the work on the cellular level and you change the chemistry in your body by actually returning home. Mm -hmm. And then things change around us. It's like yeah. men start to respect us. They start to look at us as women. So that's what I want to talk about. You know, most women are girls. You know, we're afraid to become this... Right. Because who can we look up to as role models, as real women? I have very few because many yeah. women doesn't want to be women. We just want to be girls because it's right. safe and comfortable. Right. Right. I mean, I feel, I think that's true. I think, um, I think there's so few examples because of the broken system. So, you know, you have to look where you can look. I look to nature. So I really talk to great mother a lot and the power of her beauty and all the things. So for me, that's where I source. Um, and then I think truly too, you know, for me, like when I work with women or I teach, they'll say, well, you really live what you're talking about. And I say, yes, I cannot teach it if I don't live it. And so it is, you know, um, I think, the power is quieter, you know, it's a different kind of power. The feminine power is like nature. It's like very present, but it's not dominating. And um, I've had people reflect that to me because I have kind of a quiet nature, but there's a real power in that source point. When you source from your own field connection to the greater field, you know, it, it deepens whatever you're doing. So whether you're mothering or creating something or, you know, working in the community or working as a healer, there's like a palpable energy that comes through. And we really need that in every, every, uh, every thing that women is, are doing, we need that everywhere for themselves, for their family, and then also for the, the way that they're moving in the world. So there's not so much to fight for and to master. It's more actually discovering and letting go and let that talk, you know? I would say yes, because it's that feminine energy coming in. It's like it's presence. It's a deep presence. That being said, when you enter that deep presence, sometimes it does shift the outer masculine and you do have to stand up for things in different ways. Like you might have to reorganize your work schedule or, um, or advocate for yourself. Or even sometimes women will say to me, they have a partner. Women can be in female partnerships too, but especially with a male partner, sometimes they they don't even articulate how much they've done. Like, let's say growing a baby, birthing a baby, nursing a baby. Sometimes we just kind of buck up and do everything. And males may not realize what that feels like in our bodies. And it's worth standing up and saying, just so you know, 
this is depleting me because I've had to grow a baby, birth a baby, nurse it, you know, and that's all from my body. So it, sometimes you do have to be fierce, but it's a little bit different. It's not cutting down and it's not negative. It's more like advocacy for the feminine. It's like your own masculine protecting your feminine, or I am finding this now I have sons and they're beautiful boys and I've raised them with a feminine balance. But as they go into the world, they're influenced by patriarchal patterns, many, 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 it's been painful to watch. And so I have to kind of fiercely still talk to them or hold them accountable or have them respect me because there isn't a tribe showing them that. And I've had to realize the limitations of maybe one person or one mother putting these things together. It's still pretty fractured in the world. So there are times when you have to stand up and do advocacy. It would be nice if it <laughs> Yeah, so that's maybe how we can support the men is speaking up and to know actually what's going on inside and communicate it unless they don't stand a chance. Yeah, I think they need a lot of teaching actually because so females are really good at connecting all the dots because in our brain hemispheres, we have a lot of crossovers, whereas males tend to be more linear. Um, and you know, this is, there's variations for sure among males and females, but in general, because the males not too long ago were the fighters and the hunters, they had to be kind of quiet. And so they had to communicate non-verbally and they had to be more linear in their tasks to complete them. Because if you are going to kill something, you can't be thinking about, you know, you can't hold back. You have to just go for it. And we were tended to be more in the village raising the children. So, and we were talking, so we have lots of crossovers. And so that really gives us an ability to see things deeply and to explain things deeply and to maybe see more connections than our males do in general. So I have found that there's a role there for teaching them more and educating them more, criticizing them less, although sometimes that's hard. I live with four males. Let me just say, we made it through the pandemic. That was, you know, I've like young adult males and a husband and that was pretty intense, but um, I felt like I was fiercely advocating a lot, but there's um, a way in which we can support and guide and love, but also teach and explain. And even it's just little things like even, you know, I don't know if you saw the TED talk I did, but I did a TED talk about the power of the body. And I was kind of trying to think how to, how to, how to do it because I had to keep it very simple. Because for me, the public bowl is just amazing, but I had to be more strategic. So I ended up telling the story of, you know, how I talked to my sons about menstruation and with their permission. And it's, it's just really a beautiful story. Um, but we mostly in Western world barely talk to the daughters, although that's changing. Most, almost no one talks to the sons. And if we want sons who can respect the women and their bleeding time, we need to be talking to them. So it's just little bits, you know, I didn't like over educate them, but just even a saying, you know, when you're with a female who's bleeding in your life, be compassionate because it takes energy and it takes work and it's not easy. And I think so many women just buck up and just keep going and males take for granted what that is like, you know, every trip, every, you go to work, you're trying to do stuff, you're trying to go camping and you're bleeding and it is just travel, you know, and it's something we live with for a good portion of our lives. And males really have no idea. So just a little thing like that, we could do more to just help them understand um, what we need and how powerful we are, but how the support should look for us. Maybe we should take that responsibility as the guidings, the, the, yeah, that we are in charge of the 
feelings and the heart and because the men are so emotional i feel like they have a well of juicy feelings and 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 vulnerability and needs you know but they are usually a bit disconnected from it so it maybe it is our responsibility as we are more connected with life you know through our womb to ask them and to connect and actually demand with with love that they seek themselves you know maybe they don't most men don't do that you know so maybe it is our responsibility in a nice way actually that Mm -hmm. we initiate on that yes i mean i've had a lot of discussions with males having raised sons just how vulnerable and sensitive they are and how much they hide that and so first is understanding that and so and then finding avenues to communicate if we talk and talk and talk most males actually find that aggressive, which is interesting. I mean, I didn't really understand that until I lived with them. Uh, we're oververbal to them, whereas to us, it's just normal and we're connecting. And so slowing down, simplifying, that's why texting or writing a note can actually be helpful to get it clear. And it just, um, so, you know, so understanding how they communicate, how we communicate so we can get things through. And then also honoring where they're showing up. You know, that's really important too, like really validating that and saying, thank you. And I see this and I appreciate it. But then also holding them accountable and and guiding them because there's a lot of work to be done. And the women are a step ahead of the males because because we talk and because we have permission to acknowledge our wounding, which males get taught pretty early that something's wrong with you if you ever have vulnerability visible. So we have the permission so we can start working on these things and the males need a lot of support and and help to heal too. And I watched my sons be wounded, um, particularly by women who were disconnected and more feminist oriented. And there's, you know, coming with shaming rather than lifting up and definitely the calling out versus calling in, which I've heard that phrase, but it's like, you're doing this is calling out versus I need you to be more present with me in this way. That's calling in. And, you know, we really need to be calling in with males. They will respond. They want to help. Most males are good men and want to help. They need our love to kind of come forward rather than just, you know, hearing everything that's wrong with them and their gender. So there's a lot of work to be done. And certainly the males need to find their own path and lead that too. But I think between women and males or mothers and sons or wherever you find yourself in, you know, coming together, it's good to do work um, and understand that we are doing work. This is big work this time, this repair of fractures. You know, if we're going to really repair the feminine for all of us and then create a new masculine that is more uh, in, in line with the feminine, not just dominating and separate, this is the work of our time. Thanks for listening to this episode with me and Tammy. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please send me a comment on Instagram. Or if you have any questions, you can send it on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn. You'll find me at Tidilrefsum or at Oslo Raw. You can subscribe and follow the Oslo Raw podcast on iTunes, Spotify to catch the next episode. And if you enjoyed this, I would be very happy if you headed over to iTunes podcast and rate and review this show. Thank you so much and see you soon.